we just uh, maybe close our eyes, raise a hand or two. Father, we're ready to receive your word. We're ready to receive uh, a download from heaven. We're ready to have an encounter with God that touches our heart, that shifts something in our lives and in our worlds. God, we're, we're setting ourselves for breakthrough. And so God, we've determined this morning to kind of apprehend something of heaven. And in many of us these next 21 days, God, to lay hold of something in you that's going to shift something in our mind and our heart and our family and our workplace and our home and church and our city and our nation and even beyond. God, God, we, in a sense, as Pastor Sam says, we're putting a demand on heaven. We're, we've set our hearts to pursue something of you. And so, God, we're ready to apprehend from you this morning. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Grab a seat. Well, it's, um, oh, it's the Daniel fast. Slightly underwhelming. Um, I got, so if you don't know what that is, in the next uh, 20 or so minutes, I'll explain it to you. But for those of you who do, just to be clear, you now have 493 hours until your next coffee steak, wine, chocolate, ice cream, sugar, cheese, or bread. That's, that kind of killed the atmosphere, didn't it? So why would you do that to yourself? Like, why would people do that? And so I, I want to um, start with a pretty kind of heavy start uh, to explain why a whole lot of us are feeling like, man, this is something I want to do. This is, this is something that I've set my mind and my heart uh, to do in these next 21 days. Many of you will remember uh, Pastor Samuel Rodriguez who uh, spoke at um, Shout Conference. And uh, this week on his kind of blog, he just put this little devotion and it, it, it really struck me. Um, he he uh, had this quote from Ruth chapter one, just says this, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. If you know the story, this man takes his family. He dies there. His two sons die there. His wife comes back bereft, mourning, having lost everything. And Samuel Rodriguez kind of reflects on this. And he just says this, famines are dangerous. Spiritual, relational, financial, family-related famines can prompt us to make decisions that we may later regret. Um, listen carefully, do not leave Bethlehem. Bethlehem means the house of bread. Don't leave Judah. Judah means praise. Sometimes the house of bread will experience a famine. Sometimes a famine attacks your praise. Sometimes we go through difficulties, even our place of destiny. Sometimes we get tested in Bethlehem. Listen carefully. Decisions born out of desperation can lead to disasters. How many of you have made decisions because you were desperate that later on you came to regret? He says this, the enemy wants you to leave Bethlehem of Judah. The enemy wants you to leave the house of bread and praise. The enemy wants you to let go of Bethlehem, let go of your promise, let go of your dream, let go of your vision, let go of your holiness, let go of your joy, let go of shalom. I dare, and he says this, I dare you to confront the famine in your life. I dare you to confront that area that's not filled with the promise and the purpose of God. I dare you to not walk away out of disappointment, regret, disillusionment, bitterness. I dare you to, to confront the famine and find a breakthrough 
and not walk away from it. You know, he says, I dare you to open your mouth and declare the words of a man who would later be born in Bethlehem via this very story. So David, David, four generations later, once I was young, now I'm old, yet I've never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. Actually, the verse that came to mind when I read this was this, David's confession. No, I, I mayn't be present in a famine, but I'm gonna get a breakthrough till I have a conviction in my heart. No, you prepare a table before me in the presence of Lord. My breakthrough is coming. Something is gonna shift in my world. And before it shifts in the world out there, I gotta get the breakthrough in here. And so where there's a famine or lack in my life, he says it's a dangerous place to be. And so uh, fasting is, is an approach to areas of our life when we're not seeing all that we believe there should be, when we're not seeing the fullness. Of, and he says that the other option is you either get disillusioned, you get disappointment, you get bitter, you get cynical, and you walk away. And he's like, don't do that. Come on, fasting confronts the areas in our life where things aren't all good. Um, and, and, and you, you know, we have certain seasons where things are going well and other certain seasons of difficulty. I like a, a picture, Rick Warren talks about this. He says, life is more like a set of railroad tracks. Rather than life being hills and valleys, I believe it's kind of like two rails on a railroad track. And at all times, you have something good and something not so good in your life. No matter how good things are in your life, there's always something bad that needs to be worked on. No matter how bad things are in your life, there's always something good you can be thankful for. If you're a human being today, there's probably some areas of your life which are great, which you're thankful for. But because we are human and we live in a broken world, I can guarantee there's something area of your life where in a sense there's a famine, where it's not all good, where it's not all flourishing. And, and fasting is a response like, I'm not gonna walk away from that. I'm gonna address that. It's interesting in scripture and in Christian history, there's always been two key um, spiritual disciplines, feasting and fasting. Both of these are spiritual practices that we put into our lives. Um, Richard Foster has written a book about spiritual disciplines. Under, he lists fasting under the inward disciplines, he lists celebration under the corporate disciplines. It's always like, there's always a part of my life where I have to, I have to choose to celebration. I need to give thanks to God for good things. I need to praise him for the blessings in my life. I need to celebrate. But there's probably another area in my life where it's like, I'm not gonna walk away from this. I'm gonna see a breakthrough. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna challenge this thing. Um, Dallas Willard, another writer, talks about there are disciplines of abstinence where I deliberately choose to pull back from some stuff to address some issues, and then, which is the fasting, and then there are disciplines of engagement where I put things into my life uh, just, to, just to celebrate and connect with God. Come on, there's a discipline of celebration and there's a, or feasting and there's a discipline of fasting because you've got some good things in your life and you need to celebrate them and you need to reconnect with how God has been good to you. But I can guarantee there's some parts of your world which are not all good. And fasting is the, the habit, the response that says, I'm gonna go hard against that. I'm gonna go hard for the goodness of God. I'm gonna go hard for the break breakthrough that I'm believing for in this area. We need feasting and we need fasting. We need feasting and you need fasting. I, 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 I was thinking about this last Sunday night when I was watching the young, there was a younger worship team leading. I thought, how cool is it that we have a church that has an 
outward face of total celebration and joy, but backed up by the strength of will and spiritual depth of fasting. That's normal Christianity. There's an outward face of celebration, but it comes out of a well of fasting. I reckon that's real cool. You don't know what, the devil doesn't know what he's messing with with a whole lot of young people up here celebrating because in their private world, they're fasting for breakthrough. They're doing something out of the ordinary to pursue God in their lives. So this whole, let me, we're not talking about feasting, but just to show you, you know, in the, in the Bible, this was important. Nehemiah, there was a time and in place, no, don't mourn, don't fast. Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Send them to those who have nothing. The day is holy. Don't grieve for the joy of your Lord. As you, there's a time like you got to celebrate. you got to feast because that what puts strength into your life. You know, later on, they, they put these temporary shelters and, and they disrupted their normal pattern of living to inject celebration into their life. And it just says they had not celebrated it like this and their joy was very great. You know, Jesus talks about let's have a feast and celebrate. Paul, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Rejoice always. Give thanks in all circumstances. There's a spiritual discipline of feasting and celebration that forces you to engage with the goodness of God where you're seeing it. But there's another spiritual discipline of fasting that says, I'm not just this wimp who's just kind of, all the nice things are great, and then I just walk away. No, it's like, no, no, devil, I'm going to take some territory back from you. I'm not satisfied until I celebrate the whole package of what God's got for me. Where, where I've seen the breakthrough of God, I'm going to feast. Where I haven't seen the breakthrough of God, I'm going to fast till I see it. Um, and so this pattern of both of these as, as normal parts of Christian life, you find this in, um, with Jesus. You know, he, he said, to what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplaces calling out to each others. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. What's he talking about? He said, John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say he is a glutton and a drunkard. But this, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. He says, there's a time to celebrate and there's a time to fast. And wisdom has proved right that you're celebrating the right things and you're fasting about the things that need to shift. And we've already heard many testimonies of wisdom like, I chose to fast and something moved in my world. Come on, normal Christian life has feasting and fasting. And, and, and some people, Jesus is saying, some of you are living in this mediocre middle ground that neither celebrates the heights of feasting nor goes into the strength of fasting, but wisdom knows you. I've got to engage with both of those to see something shift in my world. You know, he unpacks it a bit more in um, Matthew chapter 9. John's disciples came. How is it we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. Do you get it? You celebrate when the goodness of God is there. You fast in the presence of the absence of the, of, of the breakthrough of God. I'm going to need to have both of those in my life because my life is a mixture of the victory of God that I celebrate and the not yet victory that I want to push through on. I want to see a breakthrough and I want to see more. 
And so I hope this morning in us, there's a sense of, come on, I celebrate what I've seen. I'm so thankful. I'm content in that. But God, there's more. God, there's more for my life. There's more for my home. There's more for my family. And I fast to push into that side of the equation. Feasting and fasting. So I just want to have a bit of a look at fasting in the Bible. Is that all right? Just to kind of, it's quite a big, it's, all, it's actually been a thing. Um, so there's over 70 references to fasting in the Bible. Pretty much anybody who's anybody in the Bible fasted. So just Moses fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Elijah fasted, again, 40 days, 40 nights. David fasted when his child was sick. Ezra, who led the rebuilding, fasted before they, uh, rebuilding of the temple led the, Fasting before they uh, took the trip back. Daniel, who we'll look at a bit later, fasted in crisis. Esther fasted, uh, total fast, neither food nor drink for three days when the nation was under threat of being killed. Anna, who's an older woman in the temple when Jesus was born, served God with fasting and prayers. Jesus fasted before he launched it. I'm gonna talk about this tonight, much more about what God does in the fast, but Jesus fasted. There was a season before of his breakthrough ministry that even he fasted. If he needed to fast in his humanity to see the breakthrough, I mean, who do we think we are that somehow we just sit and wait? Come on, we celebrate, we feast. When we live in the breakthrough, we fast to get the breakthrough. Both of them are important. Um, The early church leaders fasted, Uh, Acts 13, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, separate Barnabas and Saul. Later on, when they'd appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended to them. Fasting is right throughout the Bible. It's like, it's, it's, it's far more common as a spiritual practice than we realize. So what is it? Richard Foster says this throughout scripture, fasting refers to abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. Like I'm, I'm the, some of my normal part of life, I'm putting that in a secondary place to pursue something I feel is more urgent. I have this hunger for food, but right now I have a hunger to see a breakthrough. I have a hunger for encounter. I'm going after that, and every time my stomach kind of rumbles, and it's like, no, there's actually something more important right now than my next meal. I'm going after that. And it's like uh, another writer says this, the power in fasting has less to do with food than with setting yourself apart for a specific period of time to focus more on the Lord prayer and worship. It's, all it is is clearing the space, putting things in an order that says, actually me and God is going to the top of my agenda for this period. I'm going after something in God. Everything else, they're all, it's all good. It's all, I'll come back in a, in a few more weeks and we'll celebrate and we'll feast. But right now, top of the agenda, God, I'm chasing after you because I want to see something shift. Um, Jensen Franklin, a very kind of direct, what is fasting? Since there are many, so many conceptions about it, I first want to clarify what fasting, biblical fasting, is not. Fasting is not merely going without food. That is called dieting, maybe even starving. But fasting, it is not. The, the food issue is clearing the space. It's reorganizing your priorities to go after God for a season, Uh, uh, not your ordinary practices, but for a certain season, I'm just putting some other issues in my life and a higher agenda, a higher priority. 
Um, and so in the Bible, they never they just fasted, they fasted and prayed. So again, a whole lot of verses. I'm just, I just wanna show you kind of what this is like. So we fasted and petitioned our God, Nehemiah. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed. Uh, when I put on sackcloth, humbled myself with fasting, when my prayers returned to me. Daniel, again, I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. Luke, too, this widow, she was in the temple, worshiped day and night, fasting and praying. John's disciples often fast and pray. They, after this, they fasted and prayed with prayer and fasting. It's, it's not, fasting is not, this is not a clever idea to get your summer body ready. This is like, I'm rearranging some priorities to go hard after God. I'm just creating some space to allocate some more focus and attention to prayer because I'm desperate to see something shift. Interesting, it's not just associated with prayer and fasting, actually it's associated with worship and fasting. She worshiped night and day, fasting and praying, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. So for this time, I'm just putting my connection with God top. I'm gonna worship you, I'm gonna connect with you. I need an encounter, I need a word for you. And then I need you to speak into my life because I'm desperate to see something move. Because there's a whole lot of good things in my life that I'm feasting and celebrating. But right now there's these couple of areas, God, that it's just not good enough. I believe you got something better. I believe you got something more. It's time for something to shift. And so that's why I'm fasting. Just, I, I thought I'd just, Pastor Ed was like, how are you gonna preach about fasting? I thought I'd just throw you a whole lot of information. All right, so you're either entertained or bored, but whatever. Um, so in the Bible, there's three types of fasts. There's a normal fast, abstaining from all food, but not water. There's an absolute fast, food and water, and there's a partial fast. So talking about with Jesus, he seems to have done this, so it says he ate nothing, he was hungry, turned the stones into bread. It doesn't mention about he's thirsty, make some water. It seems like Jesus engaged in this practice like abstaining from all food for a certain period. Um, in script, as Richard Foster says, in scripture, the normal means of fasting involves abstaining from all food, solid or liquid, but not from water. So that's not what we're doing for 21 days, so relax. Um, but there are also examples in scripture of what's been called an absolute fast, abstaining from both food and water. It appears to be a desperate measure to meet a dire emergency. Several times, just two or three times in the Old Testament, such a critical moment that it's like we just stop everything to seek God. Uh, and answer is examples in Esther. Do not, like the nation was about to be uh, wiped out, genocide. She's like, we just gotta stop everything, eating and drinking and seek God. She did it for three days. When Paul was converted, for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Just in case uh, you think that sounds a bit hard, it must be understood the absolute fast is the exception, should never be engaged in unless one has a very clear command from God and then for no more than three days. That's not, only happened like maybe four times. There are two examples when it did happen for a longer period. So uh, Deuteronomy talks about um, Moses fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, ate no bread and drank no water. Possibly Elijah was the same, ate and drank, and then traveled for 40 days. What's clear, that's not natural. 
So his point is, since the human body cannot go without water much more than three days, both Moses and Elijah engaged in what must be considered supernatural absolute fasts. So God's not calling you to that. You're not Moses or Elijah, okay? So we're not, to, so relax a bit about that. But then, that, so there's a normal fast abstaining from food. There's an absolute fast abstaining from food and, and drink. But, but the other one is a partial fast. This woman defines it as when some foods are consumed but others are restricted, which was the case of Daniel and John the Baptist. So the passage, starting to hopefully thing we're heading towards, what we call the Daniel fast is this. There was a period of time when for three weeks, 21 days, which is what we're doing, Daniel just made a choice that he would eat what he called no choice food, no meat or wine. It's like, this is, a, this is just another way to pursue God. I'm not abstaining from all food. I'm not abstaining from all food and drink. I'm just deliberately kind of dialing down to keep the basics going, but I'm gonna pursue God. I'm, I'm deliberately not doing the feasting things. I'm not doing the celebrate, the nice things. Therefore, the, therefore the discipline of celebration and feast. I'm now just gonna do the basics because I wanna see, I need a breakthrough from God. Um, by the way, if you, don't, if you think that list of coffee and stuff is a bit hard, there is another option. Because she mentions there are two partial fasts in the Bible, Daniel and John the Baptist. So if you don't like the Daniel fast, here's your other option. You could do a John the Baptist fast. I find the little legs get stuck between your teeth. <laughs> no. Um, but it's like, ah. So suddenly now, when you compare it with absolute fast or John the Baptist, it doesn't sound so bad, does it? Like just not having coffee for three weeks is, is not really that bad. She said, I like, she said this, I can see why the John the Baptist fast hasn't really captured the attentions of today's. I don't hear of any churches going, we're going to do the John the Baptist fast. Locusts and honey for everyone. For three. It's like, no, Daniel fast. It's a bit kind of a bit more civilized or something. Um, so here's the thing. In the Old Testament, this is what Richard Foster said, fasts were often called in times of real emergency, like, man, we're desperate, something's got to shift, and he gives some examples. But here's what they realized, after a certain point they realized this, why, there's such power in this, why do we wait to react to emergencies? Why don't we be proactive and choose to fast, to put this into our life, not just wait till we're in a diet? Why don't we, why don't we institute a practice of fasting? So during the Old Testament time, that's what they did. They introduced the spiritual practice of fasting. Uh, and so by the time of Jesus, if you were a religious Jew, you did three things. You gave money, as we heard about, you prayed, and you fasted. That was like, those were the three basic spiritual disciplines. You gave money, you prayed, and you fasted. Maybe prayer towards God, um, giving towards people, and fasting shifted something primarily in you. But it's like that was the balanced Christian, uh, well, Jewish life. Give, pray, and fast. And so Jesus tells this parable of this guy. They went up to the temple to pray. And what does he say? I fast twice a week and I give a tenth. That's what I mean. This was normal religious life at the time of Jesus. Everyone prayed, everyone gave, and everyone fasted. It's kind of like the forgotten third of this package for the church. Actually, uh, and so they developed, the, here's another thing, I'm just trying to show you why the Daniel fast's not that bad. So they did, um, so they had 
they instituted a number of fasts. There were some major fasts and there were some minor fasts. Here's what they did on the major fasts. No eating or drinking, no washing or bathing, no application of creams or oils, no wearing of leather clothes and no marital sexual relationships. It's gone very quiet. I'm figuring all the ladies are like, no moisturizer for three weeks. All the guys are a bit more focused on another item in there, but it's like, <laughs> suddenly no coffee's not so bad, right? Seriously. It's like, that's what they, that was expected in a major fast. But then they had these minor fasts. Um, and by the time of Jesus, if you notice the Pharisees said this, I fast twice a week. By the time of Jesus, it was a Jewish thing that if you were a, Jew, a religious person, you fasted two days a week, Mondays and Thursdays. It was from sunrise to sunset like a Muslim Ramadan fast. So, but during the sunlight hours, you didn't eat or drink. Here's the weird thing. The early church did that. They just shifted the days to Wednesday and Friday. So... In the early church, what did your Christian life look like? You fasted on Wednesday and Friday, plus you came to church on Sunday. We kind of forgot. It's like, suddenly 21 days and no coffee is not such a big deal, eh? Like, this could seriously mess with your life. Um, interesting, John Wesley, some of you may have grown up in a Methodist church. This was written in an early Christian document called the Didache, and he was aware of it. He urged early Methodists to pick up this practice again, Wednesdays and Fridays. He felt so strongly about this matter, in fact, that he refused to ordain anyone to ministry, to the Methodist ministry, who did not fast on those two days. So 21 days of no coffee is like fasting light compared to the rest of the Bible and church history. It's like, yeah, anyway. So, so, you're, so you, shall we go and look at the Daniel fast? Okay, compared to that major fast, the absolute fast, the John the Baptist fast, this is not so tough. Just get through the headaches the next few days, the detox from the caffeine and the sugar, and you're good to go. Compared to the other options, no sweat. Okay, so again, it's found in the book of Daniel, surprisingly, since it's a Daniel fast. Uh, it just says this, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. Uh, hold on, I, I really want you to get what are the key elements involved in a fast. So he got this revelation, it concerned, the message was true, concerned a great war. Uh, and, and so something bothered him. There was something that was gonna be bad happening in his world, and he's like, I need to respond to this. It bothers me. That's what, going back to Samuel Rodriguez, the danger in a famine is it stops bothering you. You just get cynical, disappointed, and you walk away. No, let something bother you again. Like, I've got to pursue God in this. And so, as we said, that was his response. I mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips. By the way, we leave out, I use no lotions at all. So even that, but we forget that. We pretend you didn't see that part, Okay. It's just a bit, we just do the food part of it. Um, and, so, and so he's like, okay, God, I've got a desperate situation. I, I want to engage with this. There's a certain way that I can understand just for these three weeks, I'm just going to eat simple food. So I'm still going to keep eating because I've got to keep working, but, I, uh, but I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to get into celebration because I'm rearranging my priorities. And then this is what happens. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, I looked, and there before me was a, he, he had an encounter with God. 
Come on, some of you just to go into like, I just need an encounter with God. I need a fresh revelation of his purpose in my life. I need a download from heaven. That's a good thing to go into the Daniel fast with. I, I, I'm sick of just going through the motions of my Christian life. For the next three weeks, I'm dialing it up going, God, I want an encounter with you. He not only had an encounter though, he, uh, so he talks about what he saw and the impact on him, but, but then the, the, uh, it was an angelic figure says this, carefully consider the words I'm about to speak to you. He not only had an encounter with God, he got a word from God. I wonder how many people here, like, I need a word from God. I got some stuff going in my life. I got decisions I got to make. I need a word from God. I need to hear about that kid who's not at church. I need to hear about what's going on in my family. I need to hear about decisions about my career. I need to hear about the calling. I'm, I, need an encounter, I need an encounter with God, and I need a word from God. That's like some of you, come on, some of you need to feel that leap in your spirit, like, yeah, that's what I'm going after. 21 days of just simple food to get a word from, I heard from God. That's a good reason to fast. I just want to point out another in this passage. He said this. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed. Listen, we need a, the, the fact that he hadn't heard from God wasn't a sign that, that God didn't care. Like, I never hear from God. God never speaks to me. No, no, you're esteemed of God. It's a breakthrough issue. Come on, pursue God. Go after it. Don't let it quit, make you question your value or your dignity in God. You're highly esteemed. Go after what you need in God. But then if you know the story, there's this really weird incident that this angel says, don't be afraid. Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding, to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I've come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. So that's not a human prince, that's an angelic uh, evil figure over that kingdom. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, one of God's angels, came to help me. It's like, I just thought I needed a prayer. I didn't realize there was a battle in the supernatural realm for my answer to come through. So you don't, you don't only need an encounter with God and a word from God. You need, you need a breakthrough in the spiritual realm to see something shift. That's why we fast. It's not like, oh God, if it's your will. No, he fasted and he realized he only got his answer on the 21st day because there was a battle for his answer. Come on, you need to, in a sense, take control of the battle. Come on, I fast because I'm seeking an encounter with God, but I'm fasting because I'm seeking a breakthrough in my world, and I realize there's a, battle, there's a battle for that child's mind and heart. There's a battle for my future and my vocation. There's a battle for my business to flourish. There's a battle for my health. Come on, I, I, I'm fighting for a breakthrough. Come on, so we need to get a bit of mongrel in our faith again. We celebrate and we feast the good times, but when we hit a wall, we go, you're going down, and I'm gonna fast till something shifts. I saw a great quote from Jensen Franklin. He just said, there's a whole lot of unemployed angels hanging around because our faith and our determination hasn't engaged them to launch into the fight for your purpose and destiny. Come on, in the next 21 days, why not fast to see something break in your world? Fast to see something shift in your world. Fast to unleash something of heaven to fight on your behalf and see something move in your world. It's like, 
it's like the yeah we have this happy clappy this is how we party but in the back behind all that there's a strength like you are going down devil we are going forward you're not having my family you're not having my future you're not having my destiny and so D- Daniel is like oh this is the backstory of what's happening in the fast Uh, But there was a third dimension. So he sought for an encounter with God and a word from God. He sought for a shift in his circumstances. But what he realized, actually, in the midst of this fast, something had to shift in him. Because he says this, I am overcome with anguish. My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. I'll talk about this tonight. I don't know what you're going into the fast with, but I'm gonna suggest that you'll fight some battles along the way that are more to do with something shifting in you than they are shifting in your external world. Because the battle is in here and in here before it's out there. And when you get the victory in a private place of fasting, God can unleash his angels to bring the victory in the external world. And and Daniel realized, I need an encounter from God. I need a word from God. I need the angels of God to shift something in my world. But first of all, I need something to shift in me. I wonder how many people, that's your testimony. Like I, the next 21 days, man, my biggest battle is in here and in here. I'm sick of just accommodating this thing. I'm sick of living with this thing. I need a breakthrough, God. You know, and I love it that... um, The angel then speaks a word not about his world, but a word about his heart. Peace, be strong, be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened. I said, speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. Come on, why are we fasting? Because I need an encounter with God. Why are we fasting? Because I need a breakthrough in my world. Why are we fasting? Because I need a victory on the inside. And I've decided not to make peace where any of those are lacking and accommodate to them. Famines are dangerous when you make peace with them. You know, so the story finishes that he's then gonna go and keep on this fight. So why do we fast? Maybe I can get the musicians to come up. It's a decision to up the ante on moving forward and taking ground. Come on, there's a strength of will behind it. But the, and because of that, there's a deliberate rearranging of the priorities of your life for a specific season. I'm going after something in God in the next 21 days. I'm rearranging some stuff. And I do that for three things. I'm pursuing God for an encounter. There's an upward dimension. I'm finding, I'm pursuing God for a breakthrough in my world. Something to move. I want that debt canceled. I want that, that family member saved. I want that uh, career opportunity to open. I want, I want a building for Auckland City Church. I want something to shift in my world. But then thirdly, I'm, I'm looking for a victory in my, I'm, I'm, sick of the, I'm sick of struggling against the sin, this barrier, this, this voice in my head. Though. So I, 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 wanna, I want that thing defeated. And, and the very fact of doing that will reset your body, soul, and spirit for the next season. That's why we're doing this. You know, I love uh, this woman, 
who wrote this book, your body will benefit from the healthy eating plan. You will, but that's not fasting. Your soul, your emotions, intellect, and feelings will benefit from the spiritual discipline. But your spirit will grow in strength and in the knowledge of Christ and His ways. Something is going to step out of the shadows uh, that's hidden away and become the dominant. For a while, I make that the dominant part of my life. I'm a spirit man or woman. I'm called by God. I have authority with God, and we're moving forward. You know, she goes on to say this. It's a spiritual tool God created to help you strengthen your spirit, learn self-control of the flesh, draw closer to the Father, focus on prayer. When you fast, you're you're stepping into a temporary set of actions for a spiritual purpose, like entering a bubble where everything is different for a set period of time. We're going into a bubble of disrupted normality for 21 days to go hard after God, to go hard after a shift in my world, to go hard after a change in my heart. Uh, it's the start of November, eight weeks to go in the year. If this was a rugby game, there'd be 12 minutes to go. I, I really like the idea that we fast now. We start the year with good intentions and things just drift, don't they? Start off, yeah, I'm just after the last annual fast, I'll just have one coffee a day. And then it kind of became two and then three and then four and then five. You know, I, I only have wine on special occasions. Now it's like, God, what a day. Give me a drink of wine. You know, it's like, and it's like, it's a chart. It's like you don't give up with 12 minutes to go. Come on. There's time to regroup, reset, and push on for the victory in this year. I love Pastor Sam and says this, you crown the year with your bounty. It's like, at this time of the year, no, I'm not surrendering. I'm not walking away. It's like, devil on this, we're gonna, you're going down, we're gonna push across for a victory in the next day. I'm gonna see something shift in the next three weeks. Something is gonna move. We may have a lot of fun and noise and lights and clappy music and but you you better know behind that there's a weight of determination there's a ferocity of spirit there's a determination to see the move of God that he's guaranteed us it's like who really cares about that when you look at all the other possibilities can I get you to stand um, Pastor Ed's going to come in a few minutes and talk about this card and um, I just really felt to, uh, you know, even before I was knowing this, I, even before I knew they were doing this card, I felt to end on, it's a bit of a weird word, but like this concept of a pledge, there's a decision. And the, I love the idea of a card. It's not, le- it's not guilt, it's not religious. It's just like, I've decided I'm going to go after this. And I pray today there's a whole, from what I've said, if some more people go, do you know what? 21 days, I'm going after something. And so to make a pledge, but then Pastor Ed's gonna invite you to think, well, what are you going after? And, and to think about some things. You know, I love this woman said, since the definition of fasting is to restrict food for a spiritual purpose, before you start your fast, you want to be specific about your aim. What is the thing you're going after? We're gonna go for it. You know, she said, I like this, she says this, ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Yeah, you'll have some ideas, but maybe the Holy Spirit's like, actually, this is what I wanna bring the breakthrough in. This is where we need to see something shift. And if you're not even sure where to start with that, she just, real practical. Number two, identify the top three issues in your life that cause you stress and concern. Ask yourself, if I could change three things about my life, what would they be? Come on, I want, maybe it's like, I want debt broken. 
I want to know my purpose. I want to know what I'm doing next. I want to be free from the shame that's holding me back. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go for it. Man, God's anointing is to start. I just want you to start thinking about engaging with God. Like, I, like this decision, yeah, I'm going to go for it. And God, what are the things? Now, if you come along tonight, I'll tell you, He's probably going to do some other battles on the way. But at least you know where you're aiming for at the start. So in a few minutes, we're going to sing a song. I'm going to get you to ask God and just go like, yeah, this decision. Yeah, God, I want to pledge. I want to determine I'm going to do this. And God, this is what I want to go after.